Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. Thank God for another season. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books in the Bible. Not just one scripture, full chapters. And of course, I share my commentary while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every word of scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's grow in faith while we learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Not my will, Lord, but God's will be done by giving our lives to his son, Jesus the Christ. saints welcome welcome to learning bible truth i know you heard the intro but um i am dr Kamla d the founder and teacher of learning bible truth i always like to share that so that you can know i don't have a guest speaker okay and today is sunday it is november the 14th it is a beautiful sunday here in the state of louisiana I mean, it is gorgeous. It's a tad bit cold. You know, when I say cold in Louisiana, it's something that we are not used to. It's in the 40s in some parts and it's in the 50s in others. So I hope this day finds you and your family well. I hope you are having beautiful weather also. So today we have reached episode 16 of Searching the Scriptures, They Lead You to Jesus. Yes, and for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, our lead scripture, which I will not be going there today, is in the book of John or the gospel, according to John chapter 5, verses 39 and 40, where Jesus was talking to some unbelieving Pharisees and Sadducees who were criticizing him for healing someone on the Sabbath day. And they didn't realize that they were talking to the person who originated the Sabbath day, the person in human form who was the Sabbath day. Jesus is our rest. And so Jesus started telling them to search the scriptures. And he said, in them, you think you have eternal life, but it is they, they who, the scriptures who testify of me. And verse 40, Jesus says, but you will not come to me that you may have life. Now, either Jesus was one of the three L's or he was telling the truth. Either he was Lord, either he was a liar, or either he was a lunatic. And so we can eliminate, eliminate the last two because Jesus definitely is Lord. So we have been searching the scriptures, saints, and finding Jesus in the Old Testament scriptures, also known as the Hebrew scriptures. So I hope you have your Bibles with you. Um, hopefully we can uh, get this episode completed within an hour. I think we may be going over because I was looking at a, a, a video last night 
and I was quite disturbed. It was a video that was recorded back in either the late 1950s or the early 1960s. It was uh, Elijah Muhammad, who was the leader of the Nation of Islam, a sect that had broken off from the original um, religion, Islam, back in the 1960s. And uh, Elijah Muhammad claimed to be the only messenger from Allah uh, who came in the flesh back in the 1960s as uh, the person of Master Farad Muhammad, who was supposed to be God. It was a black man whom he met and, and uh, told him to write the message to the black man, but he was being interviewed. He was quoting scriptures from the Bible, never quoted not one from the Quran, but he mentioned the Quran he quoted scriptures from the Bible and, and quoted scriptures from Jesus. And my blood was boiling because he was incorrect. I think he knew that the interviewer who was white had no clue what the Bible said anyway. And he knew his followers didn't know what the Bible said because they weren't reading it. But yet he was quoting Jesus and he was misquoting those scriptures, misrepresenting those scriptures. And if I have any Muslims listening, I know I do. I want you to know that you, if you are not a follower or a believer that Jesus is Lord and that he is alive right now, seated at the right hand of Jehovah or either Yahweh, which is um, the Hebrew name for God, you don't understand these scriptures. You can't. It's impossible. Jesus said, my, my uh, followers know me. He said, my disciples follow me and they don't listen to strangers. So here's the thing. If Elijah Muhammad was not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ being Lord, how is he quoting something Jesus said? I can tell you, you can read anything, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you understand it because Jesus told uh, Nicodemus who came to him at night, who was a ruler of the Jews and, and uh, asked him about, um, how can a man uh, enter or, or know the kingdom of God? And I'm paraphrasing here. I'm not quoting verbatim. Jesus said, "A man, unless a man is born again, he cannot um, see the kingdom of God or uh, enter the kingdom of God. And see in the Greek is come to know or understand. You can't even understand the scriptures unless you are born again. And the only way you can be born again is to be in Christ. That's the only way a man can be born again. And I don't want to labor too much on that, but I will tell you this. Um, it prompted me to add some notes when we get to a couple of sections in this episode. So that's why I said it may be an extended episode, it may go a little over an hour because of some, because of what I just shared. And uh, when I get to a couple of areas, I'm going to uh, share a couple of notes and put emphasis on it because we need to know who Jesus is. The entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation is, is about Jesus. Absolutely, because he is the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And a couple of verses down from that in the gospel according to John is the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he was not talking about Elijah Muhammad. Uh-uh. He was not talking about uh, Master Farad Muhammad. He was talking about Jesus, the Messiah, or either the Christ. 
the Messiah is the Christ in Hebrew and the Christ is the Messiah in the Greek. And thank God for knowledge. I tell you, my heart goes out to people who are ignorant of these scriptures. That's why I fight so hard to share the truth with you so that you can know the truth and not be deceived. Everyone want to use the Bible because they know the Bible consists of the, the real authentic word of God. This man did not uh, quote one scripture from the Quran. The Quran was written, written by one man. If I'm not mistaken, it's Muhammad Abdullah. I think that's his last name, but I don't really focus on him because he was just a man who created a religion. But um, I can tell you this. If you know these scriptures and uh, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit or if you are in Christ, he will reveal to you the truth of these scriptures and nobody can deceive you. Not one person. And I have not been given revelation of the full Bible yet, but everything I teach on, God gives me the revelation to share it. And it is my responsibility to share this message to where I will not complicate it. And then it is God's responsibility as I teach you to give you the understanding and he will give you the understanding if your heart is sincere and he know you are seeking truth. He will give you the understanding as I share this message. So with that said, saints, let's let's get into it. Um, go into your Bibles to Psalms. We are um, Psalms 130. And I think, uh, of course, we were in Psalms in the previous episode. So we will continue in Psalms today. And then we're going to switch to Proverbs. And then we'll switch to the great prophet Isaiah. Okay. Finding Jesus in the Hebrew scriptures. And for those of you who are not aware... I uh, typically read and teach from the NIV, the New International Version. Um, I may switch to another version during this episode. And one of the reasons I tell you about uh, which version I read is because you may have a different version and therefore may have a difference in wording. But we will end up in the same place. Amen. So Psalms 130 and I am reading. A song of ascents. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. Underline that. But with you there is forgiveness. Therefore, you are feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord. Underline this that I'm getting ready to say. For with the Lord is unfailing love. And with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. My Lord. Hallelujah. Now this psalm is the 11th of 15 songs of ascent in the book of Psalms. Now they are sometimes said to have been sung by pilgrims on their way up to Jerusalem for the annual feast. 
Jerusalem is situated in the mountains and pilgrims would need to climb or ascend to get there. Another theory is that they were sung during the ascent from Babylon to Israel when the Jews were free to return to their homeland. Now, others have speculated that the term ascent and the 15th Psalms came from the fact that the Hebrew men would ascend the 15th steps from the courtyard of the women to their upper courtyard next to the temple. But we don't have to guess about this psalm. The ascent here is from the depths of despair about our sin to the joy of our salvation by the grace of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Psalm 130 is a clear and unambiguous statement that God's forgiveness and redemption are freely given, just as Jesus' gospel declares. Now, we know that the writer is crying out to God because of his sin and the guilt it has engendered. Because he states in verse 3, listen, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, Oh Lord, who could stand? He's asking for mercy, not justice, as he, as he understands the um, abominable nature of his sin against an, an altogether holy and righteous God. He goes on to say, and I want y'all to excuse me because I'm trying to take my robe off while I'm talking and it just wasn't working well. I was getting a little confused because I'm struggling to take this robe off. I don't know why I came in this room. I call this my media room. This is where I record my podcast. And I can see the beautiful sunlight out there. And uh, talk to you guys. I try to make myself as comfortable as possible. When I came in here initially, it was cold in here. But now I warmed up. And I'm also drinking hot tea. So, um... He goes on to say in, in verse four, but with you, there is forgiveness. Therefore you are feared. Now, many have rejected the true gospel because they say free salvation by God's grace alone will only lead to lawlessness. My God. Now, if I'm saved through no works of my own, then what difference will it make? This is what they are saying. Then what difference will it make if I go on sinning? Now, Paul deals with this misconception, because that's what it is, misconception, in Romans uh, chapter 6, verse 15. The point is that free salvation always is accompanied by the fear of the Lord. And you can read that in Proverbs 1, 7. Now, here's an acronym for, for godly fear, okay, F-E-A-R. The F stands for faith in Christ, trusting him and his word alone for salvation. The E stands for enjoyment, okay? What is man's chief end? Now, A, uh, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Enjoyment of God consists of being in right relationship with God. Now, the A actually stands for active obedience. Now, if we are truly saved, and I do mean truly saved, there is a lot of discussion about whether or not we have some Christians or people who confess to be Christians are really saved, okay, because of their open uh, lifestyle and their behavior. Now, we won't go around looking for ways to offend our all, you know, merciful God. 
if we were truly saved, we would not be trying to go around just looking for ways or at least appearing to look for ways to offend God. Rather, we want to obey him, right? Because he has put that desire in our hearts, the desire to want to obey him if you are truly saved. Finally, the R in fear stands for reverential awe. Um, now, we want to worship our all-powerful and, and, and benevolent God and creator in spirit and in truth, right? Now, I believe that this is perhaps what the writer of Psalms 130 meant when he said, of God, you are feared, okay? Now, James Boyce, he draws for, because I got to give credit where it's due. I, I study a lot of uh, literature. I study a lot of books um, and compare with the Bible. Trust me. Um, there are ways that leaders and teachers in the body of Christ can prevent themselves from being deceived. Number one, being led by the Holy Spirit. But I study a lot of things. Okay. I, I'm, I think I can do that. Uh, maybe you too, if you are well astute in the Bible that you, you know, when someone is saying something that just doesn't line up with the word of God, but James Boyce, he draws four main points of God's forgiveness um, from um, Psalms 130, okay? And in uh, James Boyce's book, he writes um, a couple of things from C.H. Spurgeon, okay? C.H. Spurgeon is one of my greatest preachers as well. First, he says God's forgiveness is all-inclusive. It has no limits. All sins are covered. That's true, okay? Second, God's forgiveness is, is once and for all. Absolutely. When Jesus died on that cross, that was the final sacrifice and, and it was finished. And, and God's forgiveness is once and for all. It is for sins past, present, and future. Okay. Third, God's forgiveness is for those who ask for it. It is not universal. Okay. Fourth, God's forgiveness leads to godly living. Okay, now I would humbly add one more point, which is not in the psalm, but which the church has understood since Jesus finished his work on the earth. God's forgiveness is based exclusively on the finished work of Christ. That is what a lot of Muslims or let's just say non-Christians don't get. Christianity is not about the people. It's about what Christ did on the cross. It's about the works of Christ. It has nothing to do with the people who follow Christ. Okay. Now, for there is no other name under heaven. We need to focus on this given to men by which we must be saved. That's Acts 4.12. So that's the fifth one I'm adding. Okay. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And that's the name Jesus. So Acts 4.12 should be embedded in your spirit. Now, we put our hope in the Lord, right? We wait for his appearing. For with Jesus and Jesus alone is unfailing love and full redemption. And yes, we have a wonderful God. Now, let's move on over to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. And um, for the sake of time, you guys know I'm going to commence the reading. I will be reading verses 22 through 31. And I compared the NIV to um, the New King James and the CSV. 
And oh, the wordings are so different. So saints, I'm going to, I'm going to have to call out the verses while reading this so you can know where we are. Okay, but I prefer to read it from the NIV. If you have the King James or New King James, the wording is very different, but they are synonymous. Yeah, they are synonymous. So you can pause the tape until you find Proverbs 8 and um, verses 22 through 31. I will be reading and then you can press play and you will be right there together. Okay, verse 22, the Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. Remember, we are finding Jesus in these scriptures. Verse 23, I was appointed from eternity, from the beginning before the world began. Verse 24, when there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Verse 24, no, verse, 20, uh, verse 25, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was there. Verse 26, when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep. Verse 27, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep. Verse 28, when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command. Verse 29, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, verse 30, then I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence. And finally, verse 31, rejoicing in the whole world and delighting in mankind. Hallelujah. Now, Proverbs is one of the wisdom books of the Bible. In the Old Testament, the wisdom books are, and, and you may not have known this, so you can write these down. We have one, two, three, four, five wisdom books in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. And I will share them with you. Job is considered to be a wisdom book. Psalms, of course. The book of Proverbs. Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs. Now, the wisdom book in the New Testament is the book written by Jesus' brother, the Apostle James. Yeah. And the Apostle James is the only wisdom book in the New Testament. Now, um, only God, of course, possesses this wisdom in its absolute sense. Now, you can read Job twelve thirteen. And it'll give you a little, a better understanding of, of what I just said, that only God, of course, possesses this wisdom in the absolute sense. Now, of course, all the books of the Bible contain great wisdom for us. But these books are focused on um, these particular books that I just listed. They are focused on God's wisdom, period. Now, in the uh, passage that I just quoted, wisdom has been personalized as it is often in these first passages of Proverbs. This personified wisdom speaks of its institution by Yahweh or either Jehovah, which is the Lord Jesus in eternity and its role in the design and creation of the world. Now, it is evident that the world is the creation of a very wise designer, God himself. Now, Romans 1 and verses 18 through 20 we can read that. 
when it talks about God's creation and how we can see God's wisdom in his creation. Now, his name is Jesus. There's no getting around that. His name is not Farad Muhammad. His name is not Elijah Muhammad. His name is not Muhammad Abdullah. That's not his name. Okay. In the first chapter of first Corinthians, Paul speaks of wisdom of God in a truly personalized human form of our Lord Jesus Christ. Beginning in verse 20, Paul says this, where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. Did not know who? Didn't know God. The world through its wisdom, its own created wisdom, didn't know God. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. The foolishness is people think preaching a gospel is foolishness. And the Bible, which all these different religions quote from, fail to see these scriptures. But you got to remember, if you're not born again, you can't understand. Jesus said a man cannot see the kingdom of God, which literally means come to know or either understand. That's why we have a lot of people misquoting and misrepresenting the Bible. Now, let me continue. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greek or either Gentiles, Greeks are anybody who is not a Jew and Gentiles are anyone who is not a Jew and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified and see that's foolishness to man, which is a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, foolishness to the non-Jews, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. That's who Christ is. Christ is the power of God and he is also the wisdom of God. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 20 through 24. Now, Paul goes on to say in verse 30, it is because of God that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Now, Jesus Christ is our eternal wisdom of God. Don't look to anyone else for wisdom. I'm sorry, as great as an oracle of um, T.D. Jakes. He still don't have the wisdom of Christ. No, he doesn't. It doesn't matter who you listen to that may sound great. I've heard some excellent uh, sermons, but they can't compare to Jesus. They can't compare to the wisdom of God because Jesus is the wisdom of God. And it is Jesus who are anointing these ministers in the gospel or these ministers of the gospel that are in the body of Christ to, to share God's word with you. It is Jesus himself who has anointed them to do that. It is Jesus who anointed me to teach. Yes, I cannot claim credit for that. It is the Lord Jesus Christ who has anointed me to teach. His wisdom shouts from the heavens, Psalms um, 19 verses one through two, and from his revealed word, which is the Holy Bible saints. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now we're going to um, move over to Proverbs chapter 30. I'm going to read verses one through five. Proverbs 30 verses one through five. The sayings of Agur, which is A-G-U-R. He is the son of Jakah, J-A-K-E-H. He is an oracle. Now that is, he is some type of priest or uh, 
some type of a person who represented wisdom that the, the Jews used to go to for wisdom. Um, he, he could have been a prophet, but there's not much written about him outside of Proverbs 30. This man declared to Ithiel, to Ithiel and to Ukal, I am the most ignorant of men. I do not have a man's understanding. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. Who has gone up to heaven and come down? That's a question. Who has gathered up the wind in the, in the halo, I'm sorry, in the hollow of his hands? Who has wrapped up the waters in his cloak? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and the name of his son? Tell me if you know, every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. My Lord, to say he didn't write a lot of Proverbs, this is one of the most powerful Proverbs in the book of Proverbs, which is Proverbs 30, 1 through 5. Now, not long ago, a book entitled The Prayer of Jabez was on the Christian's bestsellers list. Now, a girl in Proverbs 30 also prayed a wonderful prayer. In Proverbs 30, verses 7 through 9, and it goes like this. Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? And one of the reasons uh, the Holy Spirit is telling me why he prayed this is because a lot of rich people don't think they need God. They think money is their God and they think money will solve all of their problems because of some verse uh, mentioned in Ecclesiastes, which doesn't mean that you don't need God because it is God who freely gives man wealth and who gives men riches. And let me finish. Or I may become poor and steal. And so dishonor the name of my God. Hallelujah. That is a very powerful prayer. And I have added it to my list of prayers for myself. And if you want to do the same, you can do the same. And I think it bears reading again. Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise... I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Just turn your back on God because you rich. Or I may become poor and then start stealing. And so dishonor the name of my God, my Lord. Now, sad to say, but I doubt if a book on Agar's prayer would sell many copies in Christendom today. Uh-uh, you would not with that prayer. Now, Agur says that he's an ignorant man. Now, I beg to differ with that. Mm-mm, I beg to differ. He's like a law professor engaged in a Socratic dialogue with his class or either his audience, the two people he was writing to. Now, he claims that he has no knowledge of the Holy One, the Lord God. Then Agur begins to ask a series of questions to his class that make clear he knows a lot about the Holy One. Oh yeah. Now he says in verse four, 
who has gone up to heaven and come down. Now, remember the stairway to heaven in Genesis uh, chapter 28. Oh, no, Genesis chapter 13, verse 28, if I'm not mistaken. We covered that. It pointed to the one who had, had come down from heaven and gone up again, who was our Lord Jesus Christ, which was confirmed in the New Testament. Jesus said, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the son of man. And he said that in John chapter three, verse 13. Now, in the same way, the apostle Paul says this about Jesus in Ephesians chapter four, verses seven through 10. He says this. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is the NIV. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave, and gave gifts to men. Now, I like the um, original Hebrew verse for uh, verse 8. It says, when he descended on high, he led captivity or he led captive captivity. The NIV said, says that he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he, or uh, let me see, verse nine, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly region or either to the lower parts of the earth, your version may say. Verse 10, he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Hallelujah. Now, Egur is referring to our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, that's who he is referring to. Egur then asked, who has gathered up the wind in the hollow of his hands? Who has wrapped up the waters in his cloak? Now, who but the Lord Jesus Christ has control over the natural elements of this world? He proved himself by quieting the tempest and walking on the waters. Among many other miraculous deeds that Jesus did, Jesus is the one who sustains all things by his powerful word. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 confirms that. Now, Egur, he knows the creator of the universe and makes an allusion to the Trinity when he says this, who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and the name of his son? Now tell me if you know. That's what a girl asked us or asked his readers. Now Jesus Christ is truly the only begotten son of God. We all should know that by now. I don't care how much people turn a blind eye and a deaf ear. I don't care how many times Muslims say it was impossible for God to have a son, but yet Elijah Muhammad said God met him on the corner. Now if you, if you believe that, you go right ahead back in the 1960s and here Jesus left this earth. He ascended on high over 2000 years ago. But back in the 1960s, God showed up in Farad Muhammad and spoke to Elijah Muhammad, who was delusional. OK, he was simply delusional. Now, I don't want to talk too much on that. Now, um, Jesus had not only established the universe, Jesus had established its ends. Yes, he did. It's past and it's future. Now, finally, Agur concludes his questioning with these words found in Proverbs uh, 30 verses 5 and 6. He says in verse 5, every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Verse 6, do not add to his words 
or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. Hallelujah. We cannot add to God's wisdom because man doesn't have the same wisdom. What we can do is let the Holy Spirit guide us as teachers and we can share God's wisdom with you. And it is God's responsibility. I'm going to say this every opportunity I get to give you the understanding of his words that are taught through his teachers that he established in the body of Christ. It is God's responsibility to give you wisdom. So if um, I'm saying something you don't understand, you have to get your thinking out of the way because we can't lean on our own understanding and allow the Holy Spirit to talk to you. Okay. Now John begins his gospel this way. John says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Now, John speaks of the living word, our Lord Jesus Christ, who became flesh. Okay. Jesus is the revelation of the true God in both his flawless physical manifestation and in the flawless manifestation of his written word, which is the Holy Bible. Now, the entire Bible, I can never say this enough. The entire Bible points to Jesus and speaks of his love for his church, which is the body of Christ, and his strategy for bringing eternal life for all who would simply believe in him, believe in his finished works. And then they, they, they need to start trusting in his word. Whose word? Jesus's word. Hallelujah. Now, guys, we're going to move on over to Isaiah. Go to the book of Isaiah, this wonderful prophet. Hallelujah. We all know uh, one of the great prophecies that Isaiah prophesied was uh, the virgin birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So go to Isaiah chapter seven. Yes. And I will be reading verses 13 and 14. The prophet Isaiah prophesied this. Then Isaiah said, hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of, of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. This is a sign of the coming of the Messiah, okay, who was born in David's house, which is why he is sometimes called the son of David. Uh, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And we all know what Emmanuel means in Hebrew. It means God with us. It didn't say Farah Muhammad. Okay. It didn't say Allah. It says God with us. Now we've seen other prophecies of, of Christ in um, earlier uh, scriptures that I shared. But now we will focus almost entirely on specific prophecies that um, have had their fulfillment in the life of one man. And that's our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about specific prophecies that no one else could have filled but Jesus. Okay. Now, I read a book uh, written by Josh McDowell's. Okay. It's on Christian apologetics. Now, for those of you who, who will know a little about me, um, during my studies to receive my doctorate and my master's and bachelor's, I received uh, a certification in Christian apologetics, meaning I can defend the gospel to any religion or any denomination. I am, 
I, that's why I say bring it. If I'm going to make an argument, it's going to be an argument with these scriptures that is also designed to correct and rebuke to anyone who is trying to oppose the gospel and try to use scriptures to do it. You can't do it. You, you, you can't do it. Uh, I'm a very detailed individual and I'm here to tell you, I can point out where you are, are, are incorrectly representing these scriptures and then point out where the Bible is specifically talking about Jesus. Now, which is why I added this, this section to this episode, because we got some naysayers out there. So if you want to also read that book, the name of his book is Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Okay, Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowells. Now, he speaks of the Messianic prophecies contained in the ancient biblical texts. Now, they were all written at least 250 years before Christ appeared. Now, the Hebrew text was translated into the Greek Septuagint, okay, at about that time. Now, many of the original Hebrew scriptures were probably finished, you know, much earlier. Nevertheless, McDowell writes that over 300 Old Testament references to the Messiah was fulfilled in Jesus's life on earth. Period. Period. Now, using only eight of the many prophecies that speak of Christ, um, we can find that that chance that any other man might have lived down um, to the present time and fulfilled these particular eight prophecies is one in 10 with 17 zeros behind it. I don't even know what that number is. One in 10 gazillion chances that another man could have fulfilled these prophecies other than Jesus. Mm -mm, ain't gonna happen, Captain. Now, if we have one followed by 17 zeros, um, we can illustrate uh, an incredible odds of this happening by supposing that if, if we take 10 gazillion silver dollars and lay them on the face of Texas, you know, they will cover all the state about two feet deep. Now, we can mark one of those silver dollars and stir the whole mess all over the state. We can blindfold a man and tell him that he can travel as far as he wishes, but he must pick up that one silver dollar and say that this is the right one. Now, what chance would he have of getting that right? Hmm? What chance would he have of finding that one marked silver dollar while he's blindfolded? Okay, think about that. Now, just the same chance that the prophets would have had of writing those eight prophecies, these eight particular prophecies that we're going to talk about and having them all come true in any one man. Hmm? Now, from there, from their day to the present time, providing they wrote in their own wisdom. Huh? What are the odds? But I can tell you this. They all came true in Christ. Yes, they did. Now, those eight prophecies concerned our, our Savior. Let's talk about them. And it's going to be brief because it's eight. Number one, being born in Bethlehem. The prophet Micah prophesied that in uh, Micah 5, verse 2. 
Number two, being preceded by a messenger. Isaiah prophesied that in Isaiah 43. That messenger was John the Baptist. He came in the power of Elijah, the prophet Elijah. Okay, what about number three? He entered Jerusalem on a donkey. Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah prophesied that in nine, in chapter nine, verse nine. Number four, being, betray, being betrayed by a friend. That's, that was prophesied in Psalms 41, nine. Number five, he was sold for 40 pieces of silver, which was prophesied by the prophet Zechariah in 11, verse 12. Verse six, which were then thrown into God's house. What? Those um, 30 pieces of silver was thrown into uh, the temple by Judas Iscariot when he was remorseful for what he did. He gave the silver back, so he didn't keep it. And that was prophesied by Zechariah uh, 11 in verse 13. Number seven, being silent before his accusers. And that was pro prophesied by Isaiah 53, 7. And number eight, being crucified with his hands and feet pierced. That's prophesied in Psalms 22, 16. Now, in a court of law in America, prosecutors only have to prove the guilt of um, a defendant beyond a reasonable doubt. Now, Jesus's case has been proven far beyond that, and many more such prophecies exist. I just chose those eight. Nobody can duplicate that. One in particular is Jesus being virgin born. Now, the word virgin is translated in, in our subject text as Ha'alama, okay, Ha'alama. It can also be translated as young woman. Therefore, many modern day scholars have suggested, now listen to this, this is what we, we true teachers of the word have to deal with. They suggested that the virgin birth was a myth and that Jesus's birth wasn't supernatural. Now they're not getting it from nowhere but their natural minds because it's hard for people to try to understand scriptures uh, in a supernatural or spiritual way, they try to understand it with their own mind. They can't do it. You, you will never be able to understand the scriptures like that. Never. Now, while lots of young unmarried women get pregnant in our day, in Jesus's day, it was unspeakable and it was rare. Now, the reason the word is translated either way is because both young woman and virgin or maiden had the same meaning to the Jewish mind. Now you can read Matthew um, 1.18 through 25. Now these scriptures confirm that these words in Isaiah 7 point to the one who would be born without the taint of original sin. Now if our Lord had been born already tainted with sin, which comes from the seed of a man, he would not have been able to save himself, let alone us. Now, this is why Mary con was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And y'all need to get this. Jesus could not be conceived by the seed of a man or he would not have been born holy because all of us are born into sin. And a sinful person can't save us. Okay, that's why God, using the Holy Spirit, had to come and overshadow Mary's womb and implant Jesus in there. Now, Jesus inherited Mary's flesh, but our flesh is not saved. Our flesh is not supernatural. That's why he needed a human being and it, she had to be a virgin who was never tainted by a man. 
And it could not be from the seed of a man because the seed of a man, it, it produces another sinful human being. So that cute little baby that you had that was born with your husband, that baby is born into this world as a sinner. As he grow, you need to share Christ with him so that he can be born again. That's why Jesus says to Nicodemus, a man has to be born again, not by re-entering his mother's womb, but you have to be born again of the word of God. And, and water represents word too. So in order for you to be born again, you have to have come to this earth already. So that's why you have to be born again. You have to have been born already. So that little beautiful baby of yours, honey, is born into this world as a sinner. He or she must be born again. Okay, now let's move on. We are, we are still in the book of Isaiah. Uh, chapter 9, um, verses 6 and 7, it says this. The prophet Isaiah prophesied this now. For to us a child is born. This is often quoted on Easter, but I quote it all the time. To us a son is given. Listen now, a son is given. Jesus was born to be given to man, all mankind, to save them. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Now, in some churches, uh, some of these denominations, they have two banners uh, behind the pulpit um, throughout much of the year. Not the whole year, but throughout much of the year. Now, together they recite verses 2 of Isaiah 9. It says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Above that light is Jesus, the child who was to be in Bethlehem, where the angels announced, today in the town of David, a, soul, a, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ, our Lord. That's in Luke uh, chapter two, verse 11. Now, Jesus came to this earth in, in a very humble circumstance that belied his eternality and exaltation. Now for Jesus is the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace of Isaiah 9, 6. His name, wonderful counselor, speaks of Jesus's wisdom. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, that Jesus is the wisdom of God. Now in Colossians 2, verses 2 through 3, Paul says this again, speaks of Jesus's wisdom. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and, un and united in love so that they may have the full riches of the complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of, of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom and knowledge is hidden in Christ. Now, the Old Testament wisdom books all point to Jesus, who is our wisdom. Because of his wisdom, we can trust in his leadership and his gospel. Now, I have heard it said by, by some that Jesus never really claimed to be the mighty God. Unbelievable. Of Isaiah 6, 
yeah, these these uh, different religions who who pull scriptures out of the Old Testament don't realize they're talking about Jesus, and, and it hasn't been revealed to them because they are not born again. Now they claiming that Jesus never claimed to be the mighty God of Isaiah six. Now nothing could be further from the truth, saints. Now when he and that he is Jesus appeared before Cephas. The high priest, as recorded in Matthew 26, verses 63 through uh, 64, Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the son of God. See, they were expecting the Christ, the son of God. Okay. Yes. This is Jesus response. Yes, it is. As you say, Jesus replied. Now, that's just one example of many where Jesus confirmed who he was here. Now, merely by accepting worship or claiming the authority to forgive sin, Jesus was stating that he was the mighty God. Hallelujah. Who was expected to come down here in the flesh. Not for Rob Muhammad. Not for Rob Muhammad. Uh-uh. Back in the 1960s. <laughs> Unbelievable. But Jesus did not exhibit all his power while he was on earth now because he didn't come to do that. He just happened to to display uh, his power when he healed and raised people from the dead. That was because of his love for man. He claimed then that his power was from his father. John chapter 10, verse 32. Now he rules the universe at God's right hand. We are encouraged in our struggles because the all wise Jesus is also the mighty God who has the power to keep his promises. Now, it might seem strange that Jesus is called everlasting father in Isaiah 9, but it shouldn't. Mm -mm. It doesn't mean some ontological confusion between father and son. After all, Jesus created the world and each of us, and John 1, 3 confirms that his spirit guides us through the word, that is his word, and calls us unto himself. He is our caring, loving father who providentially knows what we need before we even ask him. Now, providence is a word that has been dropped from, from many vocabularies today. It comes from the Latin words pro, which means before, and video, which as you can guess, means to see. Now, Jesus, our great high priest, he hears our prayers and sees our needs before they even arise. Now, what great joy it is to know that Jesus cares for us and provides us with exactly what we need. Now, I don't know about you, but he definitely takes care of me. Sometimes I look up and say, I don't know how in the world, I, what in the world, how am I making it? How do I have everything I need? Plus, it, it's nothing, it's no fault of me. It's no works of mine. I'm telling you, God takes good care of me. And if you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which is Jesus, all of these things will be added unto you. Now, finally, Jesus is also our prince of peace. Oh, yes. He brings peace between his people and their God. Now, Paul writes in Romans chapter five, verse one. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, not our works. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We who were enemies of God, that's in Romans 5.10, have been brought near by Jesus' blood. That's in Ephesians 2.13. 
Jesus is also the Prince of Peace in our relationships with others. Now, for those of you who don't know, but many of you do, know that I am also a counselor. I am a Christian counselor. You know, I, I counsel many. Now, um, I, you know, uh, resolve disputes between um, believers, okay? When they disputing over the word and how to apply it to themselves, you know, to come to me and I, you know, share some scriptures with them and, and tell them how to apply it to their lives, okay? Now, Jesus is at the center of all we try to do. Jesus brings healing to our many relationships. Jesus will reign eternally on David's throne, okay? Establishing it and unholding it with justice and righteousness. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And that's Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7. To him be power and glory forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, saints. And I am going to end this episode, which was episode 16 right now. And I am going to extend an invitation to those of you who listen today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. You haven't come to him in childlike faith. And let me tell you, salvation is simple. Being born again is simple. All you have to do, go to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10, and then you can slip in uh, verse 11 to explain verses 9 through 10. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's, th that's it, saints. You don't have to jump through no hoops. You don't have to do no backflips. You don't have to perform no rituals that's created by man. All you have to do is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That is understanding that he is the Messiah, the son of the living God. That's what makes him Lord and that God raised him from the dead. You have to believe in your heart that Jesus is alive and he is seated at God's right hand. Believing that he is alive and seated at the right hand of God, which the prophet and King David said that my Lord said to my Lord, sit there right here at my right hand. That's all you have to do is believe that that in your heart tells God that you believe that his son, Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ is alive and you are born again. You are ushered into the body of Christ. And your next step, saints, is you need to find a faith-based teaching church, not a church who is filled with rituals and have you following the laws of Moses in order for you to be saved, because that is not true. It is not biblically true. All you have to do is go to Galatians chapter 2 and read verse 16. And I'm going to quote that right now, because we are not saved by following the law. And nobody in the Old Testament was ever saved under the law. Abraham was saved because he believed God and it was accounted to him or either accredited to him as righteousness. Now, Galatians 2 verse 16, you need to keep this written somewhere so you can challenge anybody who claim you got to follow any aspect of the laws of Moses to be saved, which includes going to church on the Sabbath day, which was given to the Israelites, never to the Gentiles. Listen, it says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even when he have, even when, when we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. 
for by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Now you have to be deaf, dumb, or just retarded. And I am not criticizing or making fun of, of anyone who is, who has been, um, diagnosed by a doctor as being retarded. I, that, trust me, as a matter of fact, I apologize for using that analogy, but I'm trying to explain to you that in order for you to misunderstand Galatians 2.16, something has to be mentally wrong with you. You ain't justified by the works of the Lord. We are justified by our faith in Christ. So saints, the next step is find a faith-based teaching church. Tell them you already accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You already saved and that you want to be baptized. We need to follow Christ in water baptism. It represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. In us, it represents the death of our sin, the burial of our sin, and us raising up out of the water as a new man. And then you renew your mind with the word of God. That's it. So saints, I hope you enjoyed this message. Play it for your friends. And um, episode 17, I will share next weekend. And until then, everyone you encounter, you need to treat with compassion, dignity, and respect. And when that door is open, you need to share Christ with them. Share the goodness of the Lord. We have been given the, rec um, the ministry of reconciliation so that people need to know they can be reconciled to God and they don't have to jump through hoops to be saved because while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. They don't have to do anything. Allow the word of God to change them, not you, because you can't change anybody. So until next time, saints, peace out. were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode, please send your questions or comments to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message through my podcast by clicking on the message button located on the homepage of all my podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public to submit your remarks. I should note that you must be a follower of my show to submit a voice message. So don't forget to click the follow button. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing the homepage on my podcast and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated and used to help further the gospel. I am praying for God to give you a return on your donation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. English Standard Version. Please sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart, because God loves a cheerful giver. Now until next time, my sisters and brothers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. And remember, continue to walk with Jesus. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.